It's the Awe and Wonder AAC podcast again. We're here with Series 2 Leaders and Changemakers. I'm Sarah Kinsella. And I'm Brenda Zalmonte. We're so excited because we've had a chance to talk to eight leaders and changemakers throughout this series. And this has been such a fun podcast, hasn't it, Brenda? It has, and so insightful. Yes. So what's really exciting is in the state of Washington, um, you can apply for clock hours and it's a special leadership clock hours that you can get. So we're really excited to offer that on demand on our website. So we decided, and by the way, if you're outside of Washington, you can get a certificate of completion and um, use that in your state. But we're really excited because we thought, let's talk about these eight awesome people we've interviewed so far and see what are some consistent principles of leadership in our field, assistive technology and AAC. And um, because there are definitely some themes we run across. And so Brenda and I wanted to talk about that today and um, and kind of put it all together for you. And um, yeah. Yeah. So we were just going to go through, I think we should just start with like what stuck out. Like now we've had a little bit of time since the interviews and um, things that are just coming up even in our practice and since those conversations. Um, So we'll go through each speaker of the series and um, and then we'll talk about some of the consistent guiding principles um, that if if you've listened to the whole series, you probably those have probably stuck out to listeners as well that mm-hmm. they n- none of them heard each other's um, before we recorded all of them before any of them heard each other's and some of that some of the consistencies um, really stand out that every almost everyone or everyone said this or almost everyone and everyone said that and um, it just goes to show that um, that mindset um, is what's so strong and consistent and and likely what has helped them um, stay in the field, stay energized about the field and um, stay effective in the field for decades, you know? Yes. No kidding. And I mean, with some of these people, they are busy when they wake up to when they fall asleep. And we, you know, we were like in awe of being able to interview them and how exciting that was. But it makes you appreciative. Yes. It makes you realize too, that with how much they have going on, the fact that they took an hour out to talk with us about what's important in this field, mm-hmm. it just shows to like what type of what type of pe- people these are and definite leaders and change makers. Yeah. And just the heart behind it. You know, I think they're mm-hmm. all all of them are all always teachers. I mean, we have people that were retired. We have people that um, do a lot of different things now. And they have never stepped away from not only just teaching kids, but, but teaching us, meaning um, Mm -hmm. mentoring others in the field. So um, their dedication came through for sure. Yes. And if you're doing the leadership clock hours through Washington state, you have a chance to let us know too, what stood out to you um, when you fill out your, your survey. So we're definitely going to be looking at that because um, we love to see what impacts you all. Yep. So this is the ninth and final hour of those nine clock hours. Okay. So Brenda, besides the fact that a lot of them talked about that Apple computer yeah. they started with, <laughs> yeah. um, we had some unique perspectives and some some really cool themes mm-hmm. from each 
just some really kind of standout moments from each podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we started our whole series with Jane Farrell, which was fantastic. I know. So and we were both fangirling over her because we followed, we stalked her literally throughout our careers um, yes. in, the, in the world of AAC and literacy. And w- one thing that um, continues to charge me and get me um, worked up that Jane brought up was hand over hand stuff mm-hmm. and um, highlighting that and pointing out some things. And she's upped her, she's um, updated her handout on hand over hand. But um, talking about one, that the research doesn't show that that actually creates motor plans. And two, that um, it's detrimental that we control people's bodies without permission. And right. so there's kind of two angles on that hand over hand in that, um, you know, she points out that research has been out for the last 25 years and we still continue to kind of go back and forth about that on the in the field. And it's mm-hmm. in, as far as she's concerned, it's not really an area that um, we should even still be debating over that, that there's right. not, that there's not good evidence to, to do that. And that, um, modeling is, is such a better way to do it. So some of that was just a standout, just straight up, right down to the nitty gritty of doing AAC with kids and what you do, right. what kind of what she doesn't believe to be best practice. And I, I appreciated her, um, you know, voicing her strong opinions about that. Yeah. I mean, that's really helpful for us to, we, I think, you know, we hear that sometimes too, that that's still, still an issue. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is nice to hear that coming from her and that she shared resources about it. So you can kind of just pass them along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That What's was the, I, also, to you? I liked how she talked about um, that idea of like today and then tomorrow, kind of that moving forward and where are we going mm-hmm. with our students? Mm-hmm. I mean, just like the hand over hand idea is it's all about the kids, right? Mm-hmm. We're respecting the kids. Um, so is that it's like, we know these students mm-hmm. are capable of doing good mm-hmm. things. And I loved that yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had Caroline Musselwhite episode two. Right. That was so fun. She's so fun to talk to. Yeah, I know. Almost all these people we could have talked another hour with yeah. and it was hard not to, not to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how hers started where she talked about her dad and him having a disability. Um, I think he had a visual impairment after the war mm-hmm. and then the people that she met in the very beginning of her career. And, um, you could tell that that's something that was fresh. I mean, she told the stories like they were yesterday and they were a long time ago for sure. Yes. And just ha- keeping that perspective. Um, I think she was one that did made a distinction between, um, presuming competence and presuming potential and just mm-hmm. saying that she likes the potential piece better because it's learning potential. And if we, you know, the, the heart behind pre- presuming competency, which mo- many of them talked about, um, is that, you know, we presume that all kids can learn in her. And she, she said all kids can learn. So that means they have the potential to be competent at anything. So she, she, she did a little bit more defining of those terms, but, um, I think because, um, they came from such a personal space for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really evident. Yeah. Well, that is like right on par with what I was thinking about with her interview. And, you know, thinking about like equity and cultural responsibility, re- responsiveness mm-hmm. in our field. I mean, her first story right off the bat, like with mm-hmm. the, the two people that she worked with mm-hmm. um, way back when and, and how they 
how they um they helped each other and and like were there for each other right they were advocating mm -hmm. and I think that kind of rubbed off on her as well like mm -hmm. I am I'm gonna advocate for these people and you know she mentioned like looking back and hindsight is 2020 right we mm -hmm. all think there's something that we could have done differently right and I think that's what makes us also move forward right that mm -hmm. we think of those things we learn from it and we move forward so mm -hmm. I kind of appreciated that candor yeah yeah for sure for sure she wished she would have done some things more and differently for the one that was um you know had a more significant disability mm -hmm. um remember she was like I don't know in 20 or something she was like she didn't, yeah she wasn't even you know a practicing SLP at that time but yeah Mm -hmm. So I think she had a lot of vulnerability in that interview about mm -hmm. just like, this is what I knew then this no better, do better kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's see. Episode three brings us to Barbara Lark and Kathy Hesteroy and yeah. they were um, AT facilitators in their school districts. Right. So that was an interesting perspective. And I might be wrong, but I thought, didn't Barb Lark win teacher of the year in the state of Washington? And she was the first person, right, in special education, like, like not in, not a, like that actually wasn't a quote teacher in the sense that I don't think SLPs, right. OTs, AAC people had ever been even acknowledged to that level to win a, a teacher of a year award. Am I right about that? I, she did, she did, she did okay. win that. And I don't remember if she was the first, but I know it was definitely significant. Yeah. And it might've been. And I think she was yeah. definitely the first AAC, you know, specialist to win mm -hmm. teacher of the year in the state of Washington. And it just goes to show just what a big impact she had on the whole state and even talking to them, you know, now they're both um, retired, but you know, what they did was set up collaboration. Um, yeah. because they set up regional meetings and the state meeting and, and the frequency around those. And, um, you know, this was before zoom was really a thing. And so a lot of that was in person and required travel. And right. um, I know when I lived there, I went to a few of them in closer to me and yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a thing, but, um, they, they didn't, they set that up, but, um, there may be people in the state of Washington that don't even know they set that up in the sense that they weren't the top dogs. They didn't show up. They weren't, you know, hitting the gavel and may this meeting come to order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They wasn't. just literally um, recognized that everyone had something to bring to the table and they wanted to hear what other people were doing mm -hmm. and they modeled that so well. And so well past I mean, retirement, all those groups move on, you know, live on, move on, continue to work. And even through the pandemic through, through zoom and, um, again, I don't even know if everyone in all those meetings now know who started all of that, but, um, I think that, you know, when we think about, you know, when you get to the end of your career, what do you want to be known for? I don't, mm -hmm. re I don't actually remember how they answer that question, but I do know that, that what they are known for right now is that they were great facilitators of, um, teamwork and collaboration and, um, that, you know, two heads are better than one in, when, in all things, solving problems around yeah. assistive tech technology. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like we, we can so easily work in our silo and they, they talked about that idea of talk to your tech people, talk to your learning management people. And it makes me think about, you know, when I was in a school, an elementary school, and it would be time to do our PLC, our professional learning community. Okay. 
And what did that look like? You know, it might be that I would join with a special ed team or I would sometimes join like the third grade team if I had a lot of third graders, right? Mm -hmm. But that statewide meeting and a lot of the meetings like that, that they created, it's just so special and unique. It's a little bit different and it really Mm -hmm. has been so helpful for so many people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I know Barb a lot better than I know Kathy, but um, I'm sure they're the same in this way. And we still, you know, both of us worked sort of quote under them at some point, right? They were Mm -hmm. kind of our mentors. But I mean, every time we connect with them, they're so excited about what we're doing now and what, what are we learning and what are we, what are we doing now and how can I support and still come to webinars and they've been retired. And I just feel like that there's a genuine, um, interest in staying involved, even in the retirement and a genuine, um, investment in Mm -hmm. moving the field forward and helping people not feel alone where they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Kathy still has her AT tips on Twitter, you know, like that's Mm. part of their life. Barb's volunteering. Yeah. 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 We're lucky. I know. I know. I'm, I'm so, some of these people, guys, I just don't know if they'll ever actually retire just because they don't clock in every morning. Doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then we had Mo Booty. Yeah. And that was really fun because I had only known Mo from her presentations when it was Dan and Mo, Wild and Free at yeah. um, ATIA and Closing the Gap, and which were amazing. Just resource, right. resource, resource. But right. Talking with her was, was so much fun and so insightful. Um, mm-hmm. what, what was your takeaway from that conversation? I know what you mean, because when you go to a class that she's taught, she has so many resources and she is going to give you all of them. And so, you know, you got, you know, it's going to be rapid fire. And I like learning that way because I'm going to go home, mm-hmm. I'm going to apply it. And I know that there's not everybody learns that way. And some people, some people, um, need, need more, you know, I'd rather have 10 ideas in depth than 50 ideas. And I have to, and right. I have to elaborate on them, but the way that the Dan and Mo sh- show goes, um, you know, they just, they give you a lot of ideas and you run with them. And so, um, but what I, what I'm always impressed with when I have a private conversation with Mo is that, um, you know, she's very versed on the law where, you know, where she lives, she's very versed on, on mm-hmm. the rights of families and, and, and kids with disabilities. And, you know, she also talked about, I'm building relationships with people and, um, I'm giving pe- I'm giving away my resources to the people who get it. Like, you know, sometimes it was the SLP, sometimes it wasn't, but it would be like, you're mm-hmm. interested you keep the core board. You like it. You keep right. my tech eye gaze board, whatever, whatever it was, she was giving right. it away. But she was kind of waiting to see, you know, who who's ready for for this resource and I'll give it to you. Um, so she has a lot of of intention behind what she's doing, even if she's only going to talk about something for through two, three minutes. There's a lot of intention be- behind why that got included. And, the, you know, if you if push comes to shove and you ask her a story, I loved her story about the boy who had the. um you know, the little red dot on his, uh, you know, who had like the infrared um, pointer and then, you know, found, Uh you know, he was following the little, the little um, attractive assistant around the classroom or whatever. And, you know, she was getting such pushback. 
Yeah, she was getting this the pushback from the speech language pathologist that he wasn't ready yet or he couldn't do it or he didn't have prerequisites or something that we know is not really true. And mm-hmm. she's the special ed teacher going, well, then I guess I'm going to do it. And that was one thing I do. And I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but one thing I thought was consistent across a lot of them was, I don't know, but I'm going to try it. And yeah. and I feel like there was a lot of that with Mo. Um, I, I'm not sure, but not, we're going to give this a spin. And even now, when right. she's in meetings as, a, as an advocate, she was like, well, I don't know. Should we try it? I mean, she's she's not um, going in as the expert on all kids, but she right. is just, you know, she's seen enough kids to go, if it's not working, what are we changing? Are we right. are we throwing out that goal? Because at one point, everybody thought that was a really good goal. So, or do we need to look at why how we're doing that goal? Like, I think right. she's, that there's a critical p- thinking piece there with Mo that um, was really helpful to see in action. Yeah, I agree. Well put. I I loved to just her general, uh, the way she incorporated meaningful engagement with families. And mm-hmm. that was just part of what she did. And that story she told of being in the IAP meeting, and I think maybe it was a little bit contentious, I don't remember, mm-hmm. but that um, she brings in a picture of the student and puts it on the table mm-hmm. and everybody comes back because every person in that room is there for that reason. Right. And all of us got into this field, whether you're a director or you're a paraeducator or an SLP, we're all here because we love kids. We're not here right. because we think we're going to be millionaires, right? Right. We're, that That is that reason is that a student. So yeah. I just love that. And I think we've probably talked to so many people since that interview about that. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you? Yeah. So um, It's come up. Uh, you know, making just how can you visually represent the child in a meeting when they're not? Yeah. And that has come up for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then after we talked to Mo, we've had the pleasure to interview Michelle Bishop. Oh my gosh. Who yes. is sort of local in, in Oregon. Um, oh. And she was another just fun person to talk to. And um I know. Well, she has, has, she has so many stories, you know, mm-hmm. what stood out to you? Well, that's true. She has so many stories. And I, I picture her at um like the conventions and the in, you know, cause she works for ASL and I picture her like at the booths talking to people. And that's what yeah. I kind of stands out to me about Michelle in general is that um you can talk to her and yeah. she kind of lets us remember that those of us who are trying to move this field forward and we're doing our best and we want to learn from these leaders and change makers, Mm. it's okay to talk to them and it's okay to reach out and ask for Mm. support because they obviously to me now love that. And that's what they want to do to pass along what nuggets they know and, Mm. and learn from this and don't do this because I did that and they Mm -hmm. have that experience. So I think that's one thing I appreciate about Michelle is that, she helped me realize it's okay to talk to these people who you maybe mm-hmm. would put on a pedestal and say, I just hope I can do that. Right. You know, she's um, a special ed teacher by trade. And I, I think that that, that still rules all she does, even though she's very much um, a technology expert. Mm-hmm. I don't think she cares that much about the technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I, I don't know how to say that differently, but yeah, um, she's very, she's very knowledgeable and she can do all the things and even create her own um, switch access program if it didn't exist and th- those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. um, 
all never was the technology driving her decisions. Um, the the kid and the need for independence is driving the the adaptions that need to be made in the technology. And right. I think she's got that in the right order. And she was too one of the ones. I think her and Cassie both were like, you know, if you work with kids, you're a teacher. So I don't I don't know mm-hmm. what you're calling yourself, but I don't know what you know how you're how you're labeling that. But the bottom line is if you work with kids, you're a teacher. And I do think that she identifies the most as being a teacher. And I know that, um, I know that it at closing the gap in ATA and stuff like that, she's like, you know, there's, there's AAC experts and there's these people and those people. And at the bottom is special ed teachers. And I, and I, I hate that the special ed teachers feel that way sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm because I think they do amazing work. But I, I also think that um, she has done, she just, in throughout her career and not even all the stories that she told on the podcast, but just in general, any class you go to, she's done such a, such a nice job of, um, of taking care of the one that's in front of her in the sense that it's all about the kid and it's all about the mm-hmm. kids in front of her in that moment. She's not about, um, how can I help all kids? I'm going to, I'm trying to figure out what you're flipping out about right now. Remember, I think in the podcast, she talked about the kid who, you know, didn't transition away from PE or something like I, I didn't write. Didn't he stop? Yeah. Like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, that's right. Let's sit down. And with yeah. The bigger students, so she's right? like, so yeah. now my mission is I'm problem solving. You can't sit down in the middle of a high school or junior high or whatever. He was an older kid. And that just runs her world. Like that problem solving is all that matters. It's not about technology. It's not, it's not about meeting IEP goals. It's not about curriculum. It's about how can I meet this kid's need? How can he feel seen? How can he feel heard? How can he feel safe? Because only then can I teach him. And I think what is, stands out to me about Michelle is that, you know, that's what's important is that human connection piece for her. Mm-hmm. Well put. Okay, well, episode six was Lauren Enders, who we learned after getting married is Lauren Gonzalez. Right. I know. I think right? that up. Yeah, that was that was kind of exciting to learn. Um so what what stood out about that conversation? I mean, she is obviously, you know, a very smart person. All all of them are. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. all of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think it sounds like, you know, she is kind of like us where we're, I, I felt like there were things about her that was like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe we're the same because she's like, oh no, I've just learned one of the, one of the most impactful things was uh, just a kid I started, I started seeing recently, you know, like she's just seems like she's right. still learning. Like, yeah, I can right. teach a class about canvas. I can teach a class about how you might incorporate a piece of technology, but I'm having fun still tweaking that as I work with students with this piece of technology and go, Hmm. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that stood out with me in not a lot of people that we interview um, talked about individuals around this, but she was like, so I didn't know if he could do it, but we jumped up to 84, 96. Or remember like right. they're saying he's not using about his device. Yeah. The larger language. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was like, um, you know, those are, those are some basic principles that she, you know, she, that she points out, like, you know, we talk about somebody's not using their AAC and, and there's two ways to go on this. You know, you can go let, well, we meet, well, we need to simplify it is too complex, 
or, well, we need to um, increase the language because it's, it's not enough language for them to care about it. And she highlighted that issue in our field too. Yeah, that was good. And how often do we kind of have that as a consultation question, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people will come and say, I have this student and they're just not using their AAC device. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they don't think they can, and they know, you know, there's just, what is that that's missing? And I mean, I think a lot of times we're saying there might need to be more vocabulary here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not always, but yeah, that was interesting. And, and, um, and she kind of, I don't know that she specifically mentioned it, but she also kind of talked about presuming competence in that sense that, you know, I, and this just happened, right? That story just happened, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, you know what? I think I should have given him more vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Just never underestimating our students. Well, I think that happens to both of us. You know, we, we will think we will be in a consultation and we'll be telling them, well, presuming competence looks like trying more vocabulary and looks like trying that out. And then you go to your own person that you've been seeing for a while and you're like, hmm, why are we on this low level? Maybe, yeah, maybe I yeah. take some of my own advice. You know, sometimes yes. sometimes um, it takes fresh eyes to even help us advance kids to the next level. So, oh, you know, the, definitely. Kind of like raising your own kids, you know, you make them, you, sometimes you don't make the obvious choices around the kids that you see the most. Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. That's why my mom said, never say, I'll never do this with my kids. Cause right. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm learning some things here. The other yeah. thing I thought about her though, I really appreciated um, leading up to the next two interviews was her kind of, kind of teasing that thought around, yeah, I think that people that eat, sleep and breathe AAC probably do have good guiding principles, but I'm not sure we're doing a really good job of getting that down to the masses, meaning, and I don't mean down because I don't want to put anybody on a pedestal or anyone farther down. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I feel, I feel like that is a huge problem. And both in our consults in Washington, in my, in my um, work in Arizona, um, you know, it's such a culture shock where you will go to a national conference and you'll get a ton of really good, really good, solid information, research, all of it. Mm -hmm. And then you get into a classroom and they have, they don't know what a switch is. And you're like, how is this such a disconnect? And for one, there's not great continuing yet around it. Even when I'm involved in a professional learning community where I'm the one giving the AAC, you know, information, I just had one the other day and I've been having like 50 people come to it. And then I had four people and they're like, oh, sorry, there was a conflicting mandatory special ed training at the same day. So, I mean, there, there are so many barriers to training, Mm -hmm. um, which I think she even came back and was like, I don't know if it's training. I think it's mentorship. I think it's more ongoing than that. I think training is, you know, how to edit, how to do something technically, but actual mentoring is ongoing as far as trying mm-hmm. to figure out how do we help people problem solve and, you know, be brave enough to try the 96 and then go, wow, right. that was too much. Do we go back to 15 or is there anything in between? And what would that look right. like? And are we, are we going up to 96 and asking them to find the apple? Or are we going up to, to 96 and letting them talk about what they're interested in and all the nuances right. around, around right. the AAC stuff and, you know, we talk about it at such a high level at the national conferences, but most of the special ed teachers, most specialists working in schools, 
they're not at these conferences. They, they're, I mean, and I wasn't either when I was younger and had kids and was working all this and didn't make enough money to go. And, you know, districts aren't able to pay. And yeah. it's like how, I think that there's, there's a gap here. And I think Lauren pointed it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing she does do that is nice when you think about all those restraints on our time and especially teachers times and there's subs and there's this and that, and they don't have planning because they have kids in their room and you know, all that kind of stuff that um, she and a lot of people that leaders and change makers we interviewed have so many resources available for people Mm -hmm. that are just out there. It's free. You can easily click and download it. Like I can't tell you how many times, you know, here we do consults with people. And I think the way we approach consults is collaborative Mm because we're not, doing this expert thing, right? We're learning from them too. It's brainstorming. But I love that I'll have people send me resources and say, have you seen this? This is available because they want to share it with other people too. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen it. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's so neat. And Lauren is one of those people who just has a million resources. um, Yeah. And whether it's hers or someone else's. I was going to say though, if if it hasn't been created, she'll create it because she does do a lot uh, around creating um, resources that I think are, um, digestible. Right. Right. So episode seven was Cassie Sementelli, who mm-hmm. is, she's an SLP. I know mm-hmm. she's an AP. She's in yeah, the role of SLP. AP. Yeah. SLP. And her role in her school district is that AC, AT, AAC facilitator. Right. Role. Right. And so she talked a lot about that and the mentorship that mm-hmm. is involved in that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had so many nuggets on that one. Um, I I felt like um, that's one that I could listen to again and get something else out of it each time I listen because she was one too that was very, very, she's just intentional about everything mm-hmm. she does. I mean, remember she said she brings a bag and she tries to leave people places better than she came. She mm-hmm. tries to figure out what's yeah. one way. I mean, the bar isn't that high in the sense that she's she's not going in trying to be a hero, but she is definitely going to go in and leave the place better than she when she got there. Yeah, and, she talked about following the Girl Scout rule or something, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. What, is the, what is the Girl, Girl Scout? Well, I think it's leave no trace, but it's like, yeah, that idea. You're leaving something better than when it came. Yeah. When you, when you came. And in even just, um, you know, asking burned out teachers, like, what's one thing? that if I can help right. you with, you know, and they might throw out, I need more time in the day. I need, I need more help. I need more, I need more resources or stuff that they know she can't give, but, but, mm-hmm. but she listens. And then she's like, well, I can't mm-hmm. give you that. So let's keep going. And then again, it gets people thinking like, I don't know, what is one thing? And, you know, that's a strategy from, you know, seven habits of highly effective people is like, what's one thing that would you could change that would make the biggest impact. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we are all in fight or flight and when we have a million IEP meetings and we're super busy and we're underwater, um, we don't stop and take right. the time to go, what is the one thing I could change that would have the biggest impact? And it actually does make your life easier. And I've done that from time to time throughout my career. And um, it, it, it's something that came back to me when she was talking, because I think she is a highly effective, um, mentor. And, um, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we interviewed her is other leaders and change makers and said that about her is mm-hmm. that she is a highly effective mentor in our field. And she has, um, 
you know, a way of listening to people um, and hearing them out and, and going, okay, so what are we going to do to change it? You know? And I thought she, um, she had a great balance of compassion and, um, you know, content that she's going to leave so that, so that people, um, you know, if she get her and Mo, you know, if they get called in, it's, it's cause somebody's not doing their job right. So they're walking into adults who don't like, who are likely going to be defensive, you know? And I thought, th- thought they both had some nice strategies on, on reducing defenses. And, um, I, I really appreciated just her, um, approach to other yeah. professionals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of our, our job, right? Is yeah. Communicating with others. And I think oh, she must be the most organized person too, just listening to her, how she goes about the whole process. And I, there was something about the follow-up, you know, I was really curious. She was talking about, you know, it's not just a one and done. It's like, mm-hmm. now I'm going to follow up with you. And she doesn't have a whole lot of time to do a lot of that. I know. I got the sense from listening to her that it was like, if Cassie comes into your room and you've asked her to partner with you, whether it's something hard or it, or it's because of a positive thing and you're yeah. looking for next steps, that Cassie's going to come back and help keep supporting you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing with this mentorship um, idea is that we need to feel like that person is available for mm-hmm. us and that mm-hmm. it's not this one-time thing. Um, and that we can call on them and maybe it's going to take a little bit to get in touch with them, but they will be there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I got that sense from Cassie appreciated that. I think it'd be so fun to do a day in the life of Cassie or someone like mm-hmm. her where we could go in and see what are the things that she's doing in these schools? What are the questions they're asking? And then yeah. how does she, how does she bring that full circle? And yeah. Control? How does she navigate those questions that we always get asked and have so mm-hmm. much, um, you know, heat behind them. You know, I feel like um, we we didn't know all these people. We're right. not all best friends with all these people that we interviewed. But I we interviewed them and we I feel like either one of us could email them at any time and they yes. would respond with thought like, you yes. know, and all of them are so much more approachable than maybe we've decided in our head. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. And, um, so that is a myth that, yes, that you're right. are, um, you know, that they don't put their pants on one leg at a time. I think that's a good point. Anyone listening can, can try to reach out and, and, or if there's somebody in your life that is kind of like that, where you're like, right. oh, they're, they really got it together. Tell them that and then ask them for help. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. what I think too. I think, I don't know if we all need to reach out to all these these eight, but I think that I think that what you need to realize is that you probably have um, a leader and change maker that's a few years ahead of you in your, in your work environment mm-hmm. that is more approachable than you realize and have so much more wisdom than you have been, than you know. Mm-hmm. And um, conversely, likewise us like we have people that are just new to the field reaching out to us and we respond every time like yeah we're not we're not um above learning helping anybody them. wherever they're at and I think um we need to set up a culture of mentorship in in the in the field so that people feel supported and not on islands 
Yes, you're right. Um, and Dan Hurley kind of talks about that too in his podcast and the podcast we did with him and just in um, conversations that he doesn't want it to be this one and done. I've given you all this information, like we mentioned mm-hmm. with Mo and Dan's done a million um, mm-hmm. conferences and a million presentations. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I, I love that he, you know, he'll, he'll leave his email at the end of his, mm-hmm. his handout. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not there just because it's like the people say you must leave your contact information. Mm-hmm. It's there because he's actually hoping that you go home, yeah. you try these things, maybe you tell one person about it and then you reach out and say, yeah, okay, take me to this next step. Or, you know, I, I thought I had this and now I'm wondering X, Y, Z. And yeah. I love that about Dan and that whole conversation we had with him. You know, and it's been fun. Dan, Dan's interview was fun because I knew him also, you know, just like you and everyone else it, it, that he was, you know, at national conferences as all these people have been, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, um, and then one time I was in a class, I think it was a Dan and Mo, and um, Dan talked about green screen and he talked mm-hmm. about, um, and I think we talked about this in the podcast. And so later he told us more about it. So we went back and we made videos and, and then um, I got to know him because he was involved in the special at tech center and did a conference in Washington. And I told him about how we implemented one of the, his strategies. And he was like, I wish I would hear back from people. I wish I would, mm-hmm. I wish I had heard right. back from people. I wish I would have known this then that you guys went That's back true. and did this amazing thing with it. And speaking of, um, I was working with Melanie, the occupational therapist that I work with here, and we're mm-hmm. doing Harry Potter with um, um, going through the book. And she used the green screen. She got in a green oh, outfit and held the kids with, and then they put um, a Quidditch game and and a broom under them, and they look like they're flying. Oh, how fun. Harry Potter! And it's like we still use some of these technology pieces. It's not AAC, yeah. it's but it's making it's it's um using technology to create experiences they wouldn't have otherwise had, which is which is right. I think bigger than mm-hmm. than just you know AAC this and AAC that. And I think mm-hmm. um you know he's always thinking about hey if this piece of technology can do a and that one can do b i bet if we put together they can do c not all of us have that technology brain to even go there but um right but it's also that critical thinking right it's 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 not necessarily because of the technology it is for him a big part of it Mm -hmm. but it's because he's thinking critically about it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. problem solving and he and I feel like all of them, and and we and we'll we'll touch on this next probably is is that all of them have this um, sense of wonder, and I love that mm-hmm. that 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 that's coming up um, because our on wonder podcast, but um, they have this sense of wonder where I think uh, probably all of them in their stories at one point were like, and so then I was like, I wonder if we did this, I wonder mm-hmm. if we tried that, and not being afraid to wonder about something, take action on that, knowing chances of failure are high. Chances of it not working out great is high. And chances of it not being the full answer are high. And chances of this being only part of a solution, still still worth the wonder, you know? And 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 I feel like she does that a lot. I wonder if this, let me try. Yeah, yeah. And I think 
whether they're doing it not like naturally or not it's it's a it's a teaching strategy for those yeah. of us who are learning from them right right several dan and a few others lauren talked about just i think cassie too modeling that idea that mm-hmm. i'm i'm not sure exactly but let's try this together mm-hmm. and that just is so wonderful for you know other school personnel or whoever mm-hmm. to see okay we we can do this we can try it we can problem solve Mm-hmm. may not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even Mo said one time she was like, well, you know, they want me to come in and model. And I know that one modeling session is not going to make this an expert AAC user. So they're, I think they're thinking that this is going to be a magical moment. And honestly, most of the time it's probably not going to, but mm-hmm. I'm going to model it. And by the way, I'm going to model that we model even without results, instant results. Right. So she, right. you know, her end game is not the same as they want to see, okay, you model. And then the kid does what? Right. Right. And her end game is I'm going to model. And even if the kid does nothing, because I'm going to model that you still model. And I think that's what a lot of this is too, is like, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk a little bit about out loud, what happens on most people's inside. I wonder if we try this. Yeah. I'm going to say that out loud. That makes me accountable to try it. Um, and it makes me vulnerable to fail in front of other people and right. they do it anyways. And I think all of them are modeling that in one way or another in their settings. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. You do that. I've learned from you because you do that. So mm-hmm. I know that's a powerful strategy. What other, um, what other like kind of guiding principles or themes did you pick up from all of these? Yeah, you know, I think Jane Farrell talked about it. Cassie did too. Both of them were like, you know, seeing the kid who they are now and where they're headed and kind mm-hmm. of always being, having that dual, um, that, that both sides, you know, two sides of the same coin. Like mm-hmm. we're going to accept them exactly as they are. Mm-hmm. And the end game is even bigger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's like, they don't, those are not exclusive. You, you're You're not... I accept you as you are, so I'm not going to teach you more. And you're not, I need you to know more, so I'm not accepting you as you are. It's like, these are going, these are going hand in hand. And I think there was that today, tomorrow, you know, what, where are they today? And where do we want them to be tomorrow? And tomorrow is any time in the future. And again, I think Cassie had a little bit different wording, but it was like, you know, what's the end game here? Because Mm -hmm. we need to teach whatever we want to be the end game. And- we accept all forms of communication right now. You yes. know, I think and that that's, that's a really nice balance. I think you're right. And I think something that goes along with that, that um, is that it can take time and it's okay to take time. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. we heard from a few people about that, that these things aren't overnight changes mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Right. What other themes did you, what stood out to you that were consistent leadership themes? You know, I think, well, we talked about having creativity and mm-hmm. fostering the creativity and what we're doing and not getting stuck in, this is what I do, this is what I've always done, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to keep doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we heard that from a lot of, a lot of these leaders yeah. is to always continue to think creatively. I don't think they would have gotten to where they were without doing that. No. And, um, and that, Kind of, you mentioned this before the technology don't let the technology be the barrier right mm-hmm. and and the student is never the barrier it's, mm-hmm. it's looking at all these things looking at the environment 
Mm -hmm. focusing on what the student can do. I think. And is the task motivating to even me in evaluating the rest of it? Yes. Yes. Are we, are we quizzing them or are we meaningfully engaging? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to see games and you're going to see not even just games, but you're going to see connection and communication. Mm -hmm. And I think Lauren did a really nice job touching on that too. It was like, you know, if we are, um, are we, are we allowing them to use AAC to express what they think or are mm-hmm. we, do we have a personal agenda that they, that they tell us certain words, you know, right. and, and that the, the AAC should be about empowerment of their individuality, you know, mm-hmm. um, I felt like it, that, that goes along with um, two themes that were really consistent. And one is that, I mean, some of it had to do with it, the questions we asked them were like, hey, was there anyone in particular that's that's influenced you? And all of them had mm-hmm. really deep rooted mm-hmm. stories about people. And I think it keeps them student centered. It keeps them um, um, focused um, a little bit differently. Um, not not that it shouldn't be different. It should be how we all do it. But, you know, you get lost in the agenda of school or curriculum mm-hmm. or the IEP or whatever, and the mm-hmm. um, individual gets lost. And I think that they've done all of the leaders and change makers continue to keep things um, student focused and um, student driven, which mm-hmm. is different than student focused, right? Student right. driven, giving opportunities for students to drive them, drive their own goals, drive their own um, communication and about what they want to talk about. And I think that, um, Michelle does a lot too, like, well, what, what matters to you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I think a muscle, what too, muscle, what does a lot in literacy, but, but it's still, it's still going to be, well, what's matters to you around this, right. you know, what matters. Yeah. And that we're not waiting to do any of this. Like mm-hmm. Michelle talked about, we're not waiting for access to something. Right. And I think um, Jane Farrell and Carolyn Mosley and a lot of people talked about that idea. We're not waiting for you to all of a sudden know all the letters in the alphabet. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting because you need to learn literacy now. And it's your, mm-hmm. this is an equity issue that you're, mm-hmm. you're part of these conversations. You're learning. We're going to give you this experience now. And, and we're not waiting for things to magically happen. Yeah. And, you know, you hear that a lot. They're not ready for that yet. And it's like, well, how are they getting there? I mean, do we, we have a plan on how to get them there because they're in high school or, or maybe they're not, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're seven, eight, nine, but it's like, well, um, nothing is magically going to, um, change in the next year unless we get intentional mm-hmm. and we have to give them opportunities. Um, I know it kills me when I finally do an AAC evaluation, maybe so the kid's like 14 and it's like, well, we were always told he wasn't ready yet. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Cause he's ready today, but, um, what, what, what opportunities was he afforded to get ready today? Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's never seen a device in, as far mm-hmm. as they know, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? So, so, you know, and I thought it was super bold of Michelle to just call it out because access is so challenging for some of our complex bodies yeah. and, and her to say, if I'm waiting for access to be a hundred percent, I'm never going to teach him anything. Right. And recognizing that we are asking these bodies to be mechanically accurate to a point that's not feasible. And I love that she called that out and said, no, we're moving forward, even though you're not Mm -hmm. going to be consistent in any access method. 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not writing any more access goals. Right. And it was right. like, wow, I love that. Yeah. That love the freedom of let's just, let's just keep honoring you as a whole human being and the right to mm-hmm. learn all the things, mm-hmm. even if you can't demonstrate knowledge at every, um, turning point because your access method isn't consistent, you know, yeah, yeah. even if, um, you, you know, you, you're 80% today and you're 50% tomorrow and you're hundred percent the next day, I'm not going to do this day after day, year after year to achieve some percentage that's based on access inaccuracy that will never be perfect. Right. And, and you know, what a relief that was to that kid and that family remember where mm-hmm. they were, thank goodness. Thank yes. goodness. Somebody's not focusing on things we can't change, which is his spastic CP or whatever it was. But, you know, I think that there was freedom around. We're not waiting for these bodies to be different for these, for these, for even certain, you know, Mo wasn't waiting for the SLP's mindset to change. She's going to do AAC anyways. I mean, we don't have time. Mm -hmm. And in Dan mentioned this too, you know, you're, you go home and you do your thing and a weekend goes by the kids waiting for you to come back and challenge them the next day, you know, kids are waiting on us to, to, to keep pushing. So we certainly shouldn't be the one, you know, waiting for something to magically come together before we challenge students, before we challenge mindsets, before we challenge teams, before we challenge parents on all things related to increasing independence around these kids. Right. You know, all eight people that we talk to, they love helping these kids. And um, something that I thought about during each conversation we had is these people are doing amazing things and they're not superheroes, right? They're just people. They're doing these amazing things and we can do it too. And we can do these things. We can stop. We can start moving forward we can not we can think of kids first we can Mm -hmm. find one thing we can change in this classroom no matter Mm -hmm. where we're at in our journey of eight years and you probably thought of other people in your life who are doing things like Mm -hmm. this too right I kept thinking oh my gosh you know what so and so I've worked with does that or I I remember working Mm -hmm. with an OT who did those kind of things so you know kind of finding our people and I think also just reminding people what is going well, you know, and, and mm-hmm. is important. Um, I, I think I was in, kind of in, inspired in a refreshing way. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't that we heard all these stories and this is how I did it. Good luck. It was like, yeah, here are some things that I learned on my journey as a leader and a change maker and, and a few nuggets of things that I think mm-hmm. worked well. And it was, these are doable things, yeah. things that we can do. And, and things we don't like- even disagree with. I mean, as they're saying, yeah. we're going to presume competence. We're going to presume potential. We're going to put make students centered first. We're going to figure, we're going to have short-sighted and long-sighted goals, meaning we're going to do what's today and what's, what's later. And right. we're going to find our people and collaborate better. Guys, this is not, n- none of those five things I just said that come to mind that they all said are things we aren't already mm-hmm. doing in some level. And we can't. Yeah no one, I mean, you know, like, um, I know that 
um, Jane and Cassie and Michelle, they have done camps and things like that, where you're kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I, don't know if I could do that. Mm-hmm. But besides some of those extreme, like, whoa, awesome mm-hmm. things, most of them, you didn't get the feeling like I could never do that. It's like, oh, right. I, I would just have to actually try it. I would just actually find my people. I would actually have to organize that, but that's right. not out of my wheelhouse. And certainly this mindset is not out of the wheelhouse. Yes. This mindset is required to move the field forward. Yes. And I think, I hope that people who are, as you've listened to these podcasts, you have that sense that, you know, maybe you are doing some of these things. Maybe you're thinking, reflecting on your own practice a bit mm-hmm. and then, but also giving yourself credit for the things that you're doing yeah. well and, and then making a plan maybe for things that you want to want to try. So, right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and having the same amount of grace that you have for your kids as you do for the adults. I think that there were some, some consistent things like we're going to let the kids be where they are and we're going to help them do the next step. And Mm -hmm. then, oh yeah, we're going to let the teacher be where they are and help them have the next step. And oh Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm in the IEP meeting and the parents get to be right where they are. And maybe there's Mm -hmm. one more step and Mm we realize that actually it's all the same adult Mm -hmm. learning strategies and children learning strategies are different but there are some consistencies around that and um, recognizing that everybody needs time and space to learn one, the next best thing, right? Just one more thing. And um, I think that I felt inspired that, um, that we all have potential to be leaders and change makers. Yes, me too. Yes. So we're so thankful to all of you for listening to this podcast. We hope you've learned as much as we have listening to these conversations with leaders and change makers. Mm-hmm. And as we wrap up series two, Brenda and I are already thinking about series three. Yes. And we can't wait to reveal what that um, topic will be. You know, yes. what, series one, we had another perspective. Who did we talk to you, Brenda? We talked to OTs, we talked to special ed teachers, we talked to general ed teachers, we talked to parents, there's several parent ones in there, and so many good perspectives. And if you've missed out, if you've only come into the podcast at this series, which makes sense, because, you know, there's some pretty amazing people on this one, um, go back and take a listen to some of those, because some of those were some really vulnerable, raw, and influential conversations. Yes. So then series two, Leaders and Changemakers, and then we will have series three coming up, but yeah. we're not going to tell yet. Yeah, <laughs> we'll reveal that as we line up guests, um, but we are, we are we, we feel really privileged to be able to do these series um, um, and have the feedback that we're getting and make, you know, help people feel like they're, they get to listen in on conversations that they wouldn't otherwise be part of. And that's been super fun for us. This has been really fun. Thanks everyone. Thank you. See you soon.